This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. A cliffhanger in Hollywood North. A major production held up in a dispute over COVID testing. Targeting young people to stop the spread. This now becomes something pivotal that they can't ignore. The COVID hotspot recruiting influencers who can get the message across. And stranded campers. The Quitlam rescue team are like unbelievable. A group gets stuck in the wild, triggering a challenging rescue. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Sophie is off tonight. We start with a cross-border fight preventing a return to lights, camera and action in the B.C. film business. A labor dispute over COVID testing has shut down work on one of the biggest series that calls Hollywood North home. And as Paul Johnson reports, the entire industry is taking notice. It is very complex. The hit TV series, The Good Doctor, meant to be a milestone for Vancouver's film and TV industry. Its stars had flown up from the U.S., completed quarantine, and shooting for the fourth season was meant to resume early this month. Then, union trouble. Sources with knowledge about the issue tell Global News that Hollywood's powerful Screen Actors Guild, which represents the U.S. actors, want a COVID-19 testing program that's unacceptable to the unions that represent the B.C.-based crews. The Americans want anyone working close to the cameras to be tested three times a week and the rest of the crew once a week while the B.C. unions say one test per week for the people working close to camera and no weekly testing for the rest should do. Ironically, this is a situation caused by B.C.'s success. Screen Actors Guild is asking for testing requirements that are consistent with the situation in L.A. County right now, which is far worse. But the unions here in B.C. are saying the return to work should be based on the latest science and policy as it pertains to B.C. right now. We have no new deaths to report today. BC's film and TV production community also point out that our return to work guidelines have been among the most successful anywhere in the continent. The unions here pushing back against Hollywood include IATSE, the Teamsters, the Cinematographers and Directors Guild. Collectively, that's thousands of British Columbians, many of whom haven't worked since March. One longtime IATSE member told Global News that while the testing sounds confusing and onerous, he doesn't want it to stop him from getting back to work. As of late Friday, Vancouver and Hollywood were still at loggerheads, but a source with knowledge of the negotiations said there is optimism, a breakthrough is close. The decisions we make. And that the next season of The Good Doctor will indeed get underway. In Vancouver, Paul Johnson, Global News. And there are several new developments in the COVID-19 situation in our province. We'll start with three Vancouver police officers now testing positive 
After breaking up a party in a penthouse apartment, the president of the Vancouver Police Union tweeted this out a short time ago. He says two entire patrol teams are currently in self-isolation after being exposed to COVID-19 while responding to an out-of-control party in a high-rise with more than 100 people attending. He's now asking people to party responsibly. And despite all the warnings, Surrey RCMP are still cracking down on illegal after-hours clubs operating in the city. Earlier this month, officers began the sweep targeting a number of clubs and parties held in commercial properties in Wally. Police say some of those locations were being used to host the events after being broken into. Now, one alleged party organizer, a 40-year-old man, has been arrested for break-and-enter and uttering threats. These type of parties aren't following things like public health orders. They don't follow the fire code. They're, they're breaking bylaws. These things are put in place for your safety. And, you know, in this case, we've already had um, a link to possible exposures to COVID-19 as a result. Police say a number of other after-hours events advertised for this weekend should be considered cancelled. And another COVID-19 outbreak to tell you about, this one at the George Derby Centre in Burnaby. Fraser Health says one employee who works at the Derby Manor Independent Living Facility has tested positive. That worker is now self-isolating and the movement of residents and visitors has been restricted for two weeks. So far, no one in any of the other buildings at the complex has been infected. And that brings us to the latest uptick in COVID cases. There are 53 new cases in the last 24 hours. That's the highest single daily total since April 27th, when we had 58 cases. 11 people are in hospital, four of them in the ICU. Thankfully, there are no new deaths. We have 386 active cases in B.C., 3,353 people with confirmed infections are now considered recovered. Now, one flashpoint in the pandemic has been the sport fishing industry in Haida Gwaii. On one side are the remote fly-in lodges, some which reopened under the conditions of the Phase 3 rules, arguing their isolated and self-sufficient setups pose no risk to islanders. And on the other side, the Haida Nation and island residents who asked all non-essential visitors to stay away and are now backed by the Premier something the lodge operators say is unfair. Catherine Urquhart has the latest. Queen Charlotte Lodge on Haida Gwaii says it's out millions of dollars after being forced to close last week. Now the lodge believes the province owes it financial assistance. There is going to be discussions with the province uh, about compensation. Um, I think that the process that uh, was undertaken was very arbitrary, it was very unfair. Two fishing lodges there reopened July 10th, but 20 days later, the province banned non-resident and non-essential travel. This after a COVID-19 outbreak, believed to be linked to residents who traveled. The cases were not connected to the resorts. Everyone understands public safety, public health is what we need to focus on during a pandemic. To those business operators, those that are uh, well, well away from the main island of Haida Gwaii, uh, they have legitimate concerns and we'll certainly talk to them. But public health takes the priority in this circumstance and I'm not, uh, not going to be apologetic about that. When the Premier says, you know, I... I, I I'm planning to have conversations with the lodges, but I have no problem with what I did. And it's all about safety and it's all about health and communities. That I call them out for. There has nothing to do with safety and communities. 
Queen Charlotte Lodge says the province broke its promise to open up the economy. It says the decision to ban travel to Haida Gwaii was purely political. Haida Gwaii and the Council of Haida Nations was given unilateral ability to control non-essential travel. I think at that point in time, Queen Charlotte Lodge and the other lodges were shut down within two minutes. 80 lodge employees are now out of work. Financial losses are believed to be in the millions. Catherine Urquhart, Global News. With people slowly getting back to work as restrictions ease in other areas, the latest B.C. job numbers show signs of improvement and a dropping unemployment rate. But as Richard Zussman reports, experts say there are still some major challenges ahead. One step at a time, Kyle Rurak and his team at Climb Base 5 are slowly getting their economic footing. Word of mouth has spread. Everybody feels really comfortable. Now in the climbing gym, a lot of people are happy and business is starting to pick up. But like so many businesses, it has been an uphill battle. Dozens of instructors and staff were originally out of work due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And only now is the gym and so many other businesses climbing out of a hole. The BC economy adding more than 70,000 jobs this month. Unemployment steadily improving, now at 11.1% province-wide, down from the peak of 13.4% in May. Nationwide, unemployment at 10.9%, an improvement from 13.7% in May. There's still well over 100,000 people who are still out of work waiting for their jobs to come back. And so we still have a lot of work to do to make that happen. Almost 80% of the new jobs are part-time. Wholesale and retail adding more than 24,000 jobs. Accommodation and food services the same. And information, culture and recreation with 9,000 new jobs. Jobs described by economist Brian Yu as low-hanging fruit and carry signs of a long-term struggle. It's going to be harder for those areas to get back to normal. Borders are closed, uh, restaurants are not operating capacity, so those are going to be natural impediments. The province's economic recovery plan will be out in September, and there is $1.5 billion put aside to help. But economists are still scratching their heads on whether the economy will bounce back soon or at all. It's, it's early days to be making any sort of uh, assessment that we're going to be okay and we're going to get out of this thing. Youth unemployment improving, 24.1% this month, better than 29.1% a month ago. Young people getting back to work at the gym. They were all eager to get back to work. This place is kind of like their second home. The hope, the unemployment numbers here and everywhere else in BC have already hit their peak. Richard Zussman, Global News, Victoria. COVID and your mental health coming up a little later on the news hour. But right now, the BCSPCA is asking for your help after an injured dog was discovered at a Vancouver Island dump. A good Samaritan rescued the dog known as Momoa, a two-year-old Rottweiler, after he was found roaming Campbell River's landfill. It's believed he was dumped there weeks ago and left to fend for himself. Vets say Momoa had been living with a serious injury to his right hind leg for at least six months. He needs surgery and ongoing treatment to recover. Donations of up to $2,000 will be matched by PetSecure. And three activists are facing charges in connection with a hog farm protest in Abbotsford last year. Roy Susano, Nicholas Schaefer and Amy Sorano are charged with break and enter and mischief after the April 2019 occupation of Excelsior Hog Farm. 
About 200 animal rights activists targeted the farm after PETA released a video that was allegedly filmed there showing graphic images of pigs crammed into pens. The BCSPCA was unable to verify the video and Excelsior said some of the pictures were staged. Firefighters in Chilliwack had more than just a large fire to deal with this afternoon. They also had to contend with a flock of fleeing fowl. The fire broke out in the barn of a chicken farm at Standeven and Castleman Roads in the Sardis area this afternoon. Almost the entire structure was consumed, but many of the free-range chickens managed to escape the flames. Between 30 and 40 firefighters were called out to help fight the blaze that was contained to the 200-foot-long barn. The Coquitlam Search and Rescue Team got a call today to rescue some stranded campers who were cold and wet and quickly running out of supplies. They got stuck on the remote shore of Widgeon Lake, high in the mountains north of Coquitlam. As Romina Dea reports, the group had flown in on a chartered float plane but couldn't fly out. A small hole in the clouds, enough to squeeze the chopper through. 17 stranded campers grateful to be rescued. So then we had to stay overnight and, you know, food starts to run dry, water as well. People are wet and cold, so it became kind of miserable. A crew of friends from Vancouver and Toronto landed in this remote area Tuesday via float plane. They were scheduled to be picked up Thursday at 3 p.m., but the weather turned. The plane unable to land. Worry set in. The campers called 911 Friday morning, less than 24 hours after their scheduled departure. They were cold and wet. Uh, they were unprepared for the conditions, but otherwise they were okay. Oh, they, yeah, they should have taken more supplies because the weather around here changes so radically. No one was injured, just hungry and uncomfortable. Social media on fire with criticism. There should be consequences for people making reckless choices, reads one post. Plus, hope they get the bill. We had all our camping gear and everything, but uh, just got to a point where we didn't think any float planes could come rescue us. So it got to a point where, like, do we wait to get this, let this weather pass, or or do we call uh, for extra help? And so we made the call. Coquitlam Search and Rescue members say charging people would actually make their jobs harder. Their advice, always pack extra supplies and never underestimate wild country. How many days extra supplies would you, do you suggest for something like that? Oh, I'd, I'd take a couple extra days and then ration it as soon as I saw the, uh, the weather socking it. Romina Dea, Global News. The B.C. Wildfire Service says it's recorded 364 fires since April 1st. 110 of those ignited in just the past seven days. There are roughly 28 active fires at the moment, with 821 hectares scorched. The Dry Lake Fire, approximately 24 kilometers northwest of Princeton, is now 21 hectares. Ground crews have been dousing hotspots on a grass fire north of Penticton that prompted a tactical evacuation of nearly 80 properties. That fire is currently being held, and most residents are now able to return home. Ignoring the guidelines has turned Kelowna and other communities into COVID hotspots. Now the Okanagan community is re uh, recruiting powerful voices to influence young people who just can't seem to put the partying on hold. That story in just over a minute. A startling new angle of the Beirut blast and a chilling account from a woman who survived it later on the news hour. And flying back through history, what they found when they opened a time capsule sealed for decades at the Abbotsford Airport. 
Right now, though, one of the more distressing developments in recent weeks is the high number of COVID-19 cases and exposures that are linked to parties. So now, to counteract that dangerous behavior, healthcare leaders are enlisting the help of social media influencers to connect with the young. Jordan Armstrong reports. It's another awesome day on Love the List, it said. She is a star on social media with 1.2 million Instagram followers. BC's Jillian Harris is one of several influencers recruited to convey Dr. Henry's message of spread fun, not COVID-19. The idea hatched in Kelowna after an outbreak in early July, an outbreak which involved many young adults. It makes a difference, especially with that demographic that we're talking about, um, the folks that are age 20 to 30. These are the kinds of um, channels that they are um, that they are engaging in. And on those channels, they are seeing posts like, quote, don't party with strangers and keep your face hole and bottles to yourself. And we've worked way too hard and sacrificed so much as a city and community to say, blank, I'm bored, and throw Bonnie's messages out the window. Social media is something that people access every day. And as much as some of us hate advertisements, uh, influencers who very much recognize how they are marketers, uh, not only being able to give their platform up, but also deliver a message for the benefit of, all, of us all, will only be beneficial. The influencers are volunteering their channels. The government is not paying them. The campaign started in the Okanagan, but the health minister says it's being expanded to Metro Vancouver. We have uh, not had any people pass away from COVID-19 under 40 in British Columbia to date. And so this may um, give the wrong impression that COVID-19 can't seriously affect people under 40. It can. It's a really lousy thing to get. Whether through Instagram or television, it's hoped more young people get the message and soon... More than half of the 47 new COVID cases announced Thursday are people under the age of 40. Jordan Armstrong, Global News. And up ahead, COVID researchers who want you to say it, not spray it. You may not know that you're spreading the disease. You won't see it. High-tech research shows which masks stop spit better than others. But first, dinner under a dome, making customers feel a little better about a COVID night out. Final clearing stages of a spun-out vehicle here on the Alex Fraser Bridge, northbound at the south end. Two of the three available lanes are blocked, and as you can imagine, traffic is absolutely gridlocked trying to get out of Delta. If you're just leaving now, head over to the Massey Tunnel as an alternate route. Today's Lotto Max jackpot is an estimated $10 million. Lotto Max, dream to the max. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One, hype of a crash at the Alex Fraser Bridge. Check this out. A restaurant in California is taking physical distancing to a whole new level. Their outdoor igloos at a San Francisco sushi restaurant, four guests are allowed in each dome and they are equipped with a window for airflow. The domes, the restaurant tells us, are cleaned thoroughly between customers. It's the first of its kind dining experience in San Francisco, mimicking ones already in use in Amsterdam and Japan. Now, many businesses and services are now making masks mandatory to stop the spread of COVID-19. But before you wear one, you should know not all masks are created equal. New research compares face coverings to find out which are most effective. 
Duke University researchers wanted to test how easily germs can spread even during normal conversations. They used a box, laser, lens, and cell phone camera to visualize droplets and film people speaking into the box. Stay healthy, people. It's astounding how much stuff comes out of you when you just speak. You don't even have to sneeze or cough. It's the speaking itself that, that already generates lots of droplets. You may not know that you're spreading the disease. You won't see it. Dr. Martin Fisher and Dr. Eric Westman's team tested several types of face coverings. N95s without valves were the best protection, and surgical masks were also adequate. Popular double-layer cotton masks provided good coverage as well. But coverings like bandanas and neck fleeces did not block droplets much and may actually spread them more. Everyone has been saying something is better than nothing, but your study actually says that's not the case. That is not the case. You have this mesh in front of you. These big droplets that you emit actually get broken down by this type of fabric into a bunch of little droplets. The findings drive home how critical masks are, especially since the coronavirus can spread when someone doesn't have symptoms. If you want to reduce your risk and other people's risks of a transmissible disease, the science is clear that you should wear a mask, wear a face covering. Because researchers say wearing masks is one step we can all take to help end this pandemic. Nancy Chen, CBS News, New York. Still to come, evidence of foreign influence in the U.S. election. America's top counterintelligence official lists the foreign countries trying to influence voters. Also tonight, a survivor's perspective on what life in Beirut is like since that blast. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Counterflow is out over here at the Massey Tunnel. This is southbound traffic, and I should mention that northbound traffic is actually in pretty good shape at this point. A much better option for you than northbound Alex Fraser Bridge out of Delta, which just recently cleared a single vehicle crash. Today's Lotto Max jackpot is an estimated $10 million. Lotto Max, dream to the max. I'm Trish Jewison in Global One at the Massey Tunnel. At least 16 people have been killed after a passenger jet crashed in southern India. Rescuers rushed in searching for survivors in the wreckage. The Air India jet was trying to land in heavy rain when it slid off the runway. The impact split the plane in two. Dozens are being treated for their injuries. That new angle of the explosion in Beirut shows the shocking power of the blast that sent shockwaves across the city, knocking over buildings and shattering windows over several kilometers. The death toll is now more than 150. Thousands of people are injured, and as many as a quarter of a million people are now homeless. Now, for those who survived the explosion in Beirut, it's an experience that will take years to recover from. I'm thinking that I'm definitely going to die. 
One young beauty salon owner is now sharing her story. She was working in her hairdressing shop just a few kilometers from Beirut's port when the blast happened. She says she was instantly surrounded in what she described as a hurricane of debris. She immediately knelt to the ground and covered her head. When she realized she was okay, she went to the aid of her family members. Her salon is now a total write-off. The beauty salon is destroyed. Like all the words that we normally use to describe your day or your year or your situation, we use them normally for exaggeration. But now they're very minimal for the situation. It's not even existential. It's not catastrophic. It's beyond that. It's everything times 100. New information in the U.S. about election interference tonight with U.S. intelligence officials saying Russia is spreading false information about Joe Biden and concluding that China doesn't want President Donald Trump reelected. Tonight, the nation's top counterintelligence official in a striking new statement reveals who our key foreign adversaries want to win the presidential election. Trump appointee William Evanina writes, Russia is using a range of measures to primarily denigrate former Vice President Joe Biden. And despite President Trump's insistence nobody's been tougher on Russia, Evanina says some Kremlin-linked actors are also seeking to boost President Trump's candidacy on social media and Russian television. Biden's repeatedly blasted the president's handling of Russia. His entire presidency has been a gift to Putin. But a different story on China, who U.S. intelligence officials say prefers that President Trump, whom Beijing sees as unpredictable, does not win re-election. Nobody been tougher than China than me, I can tell you right now. They would love to see Joe Biden instead of Trump. And Evanina says Iran also seeks to undermine the president. Democrats praising the statement but arguing Russia poses the biggest threat. Tonight, the White House says the U.S. will not tolerate foreign interference in our electoral processes. In Health Matters tonight, the impact of COVID-19 on our mental well-being. From the threat of illness to job loss and financial hardship, there are a lot of reasons that people are struggling right now. But as Sarah McDonald reports, Fraser Health has had great success with virtual one-on-one group counseling sessions that might stick around long after COVID is under control. Like so many Canadians, Sue Yin So uses counseling to keep her mental health in check, a resource she's been accessing for a couple of years now to navigate a challenging journey with fertility and loss. We suffered a miscarriage and we were told that it happens and then we had another miscarriage. Um, And three miscarriages later, we tried again uh, two years ago and I was six months pregnant when we had a stillbirth. Many may not know therapy and counseling services for those who qualify are covered by MSP and now in the time of COVID, available virtually. We wanted to uh, expand the uh, ways that patients and clients could receive uh, psychological and psychiatric care and uh, just open up uh, new options. And so we've, uh, in mental health, we've really embraced uh, new technologies, uh, things like Zoom. For people like So, who has her hands full, that makes checking in with her counselor just a click away. Hello. Hi, can you hear me? I can hear you. How's my sound? Good, perfect. No traffic, no parking, no waiting rooms, and no childcare necessary. Because it's been so easy, 
And so there's really no excuses for me to be missing any meetings with my counselor. Fraser Health says video conference and phone call counseling have become so popular in the past few months, some 80% of all patients are now doing it. I think that uh, because of the feedback and the experience of our doctors, our therapists and our counselors, I think it's going to be here to stay. That's good news for So, who's sharing her story to help erase the stigma of both fertility and mental health challenges. It's more common than, you know, people make it out to be. Um, and so it's, it's not something to be ashamed about. And to let others know that help is available and it's covered if needed. Sarah McDonald, Global News. Turns out Surrey is going to be home to the province's second nurse practitioner clinic. Access Primary Care Clinic will open this September in Cloverdale under BC's primary care strategy. It'll provide a team-based, patient-centered approach to health care, as well as access to mental health and social work services. Ten full-time staff will work to connect close to 7,000 people to a nurse practitioner in the next three years. The opening of the clinic highlights our, our, our commitment to find new ways of working, coordinating services and delivering care so that people don't have to wait so long, travel so far and search for the care that they need. Axis Primary Care Clinic will receive $2 million in annual operating funding from the province. BC's first nurse practitioner clinic opened in Nanaimo this past June. Construction is underway now on a new hospice in Langley. The B.C. government providing $5 million there towards the 15-bed end-of-life care facility at 219A Street and 52nd Avenue. The Langley Hospice Society will contribute $2.28 million. The new hospice will include specialized care spaces and private rooms with outdoor access and the community's first bariatric room. Nursing staff will be available 24-7. Up ahead, the almost empty shelves at local bike stores. All of our suppliers are sold out of bikes. What's left to ride when everything else sells out? And in sports, taking one for the team. How blocking shots is keeping the Canucks in the game. A trip back in time to one of the very first Abbotsford Air Shows and the contents of a capsule sealed 50 years ago. Coming up right after Yvonne's forecast. And we'll see when the sunshine is about to come back. It'd be nice if it was at some point this weekend. Yeah, it's timing out pretty nice. It's been unsettled for the day today. We've had a few waves of rain. We'll continue to see that, especially this evening and into the early morning hours on Saturday. Here's what it looks like. We should be seeing the North Shore Mountains in behind, but we're socked in with that cloud cover. We're reporting some wet weather at the airport. It's cool right now. We're sitting at 16 degrees in the high today, just bumping up to 19. The average for this time of the year sits closer to 22. The green on the radar, that's where we're tracking the precipitation. A few heavier pockets, especially towards the west end along the North Shore Mountains and pushing its way east and towards the Fraser Valley. So this will continue overnight for the early morning hours. It'll likely just be a chance of showers for tomorrow morning, so a heads up, and then a nice clearing just in time for the afternoon tomorrow. Temperatures will climb up to 21 degrees. So it is warming up, especially for the latter half of the weekend. Now for tomorrow morning, all areas and towards the interior also hanging on to some cloud cover, a slight chance 
for an isolated shower. Breaks by the afternoon and then precipitation is going to move in along the north coast and that'll be heavy at times tomorrow night and leading in towards Sunday. Upper level charter ridge starts to build in across the province. It'll be hottest for Sunday, Monday and then a bit of a dip in temperatures and change as we look ahead towards our Wednesday. So warming up for the weekend and into early next week and then we'll be closer to the average as we get in towards our Tuesday, Wednesday. Northern half of the province with a few isolated showers, highs up to 17 degrees. A bright spot for the province will be towards the northeastern corners. A bit of instability tomorrow for the central interior with the slight risk of a thunderstorm and then towards the south of it, cloud cover for the morning, breaks for the afternoon. The south coast will see that cloud cover with some isolated showers for the morning. Fantastic though as we get in towards our Sunday. Monday away from the water up to 26 degrees and then dry leading in towards our Tuesday, Wednesday. Tonight's weather window, this was captured last night. A great shot with the cloud cover and water. Steveston Harbor. So thank you so much, Bev. Fantastic photo. Okay, thanks very much, Yvonne. And thank you, Bev, for sending that in. All right, it's usually one of the highlights of the summer for many families. But this year, the Abbotsford Air Show is going to have to go virtual. Instead of aerial acrobatics on what should have been the first day of the show, a group of dignitaries opened up a time capsule from 50 years ago. It contained messages from then-Prime Minister Pierre Trudeau and U.S. President Richard Nixon, along with posters and pins from the 1970 air show. The capsule was replaced by another to be opened in 2070, because of the pandemic, the Abbotsford International Air Show, that's International Air Show, will be streamed online starting at 2 p.m. on Saturday. I'm sure great imagery there, too. Well, many of us are staying pretty close to home this summer, which means we're spending money on things to keep us busy. And for bike shops, that means business is booming. Sonia Diol shows us how the spike in sales this year is one thing they weren't expecting. A massive surge in cycling. I just got a bike. Leading to a shortage around the world. Trudeau was giving out the Serb, so I bought myself a bike. So I have to say thank you. Money some may well have spent on a vacation. That bike is $2,700. Now going yeah, on bikes. Expensive, but that's okay. The owner of BC's oldest-run family bike shop says he's never seen anything like it. All of our suppliers are sold out of bikes. A year's worth of inventory that they would have brought in that was meant to last until September, October, having been gone by the end of April. People peddling through a pandemic, leaving stores struggling to keep up, especially with reliance on China for production. Factories were shut down in Asia for three months. To Is there a shipping container that we can put it on? Because the containers were scattered all over the globe when shipping stopped. But if you can't get hold of a conventional bike, just take a look at this. That's the penny farthing. Nice. Nothing to be afraid of. It's an easy riding bike. It's just a hard falling bike, that's all. A shipping container jammed full of wacky wheels, usually only seen in parades. You know, that's, that's for the businessman, commuter, right. steering wheel style. Yeah, I can see myself going to work on that. The collection started by Gordon's dad 88 years ago. So let's say you're tired of pedaling, you don't want to use your legs anymore. This one you propel with your, how shall we say, back end. It is called the bum bike. Gordon says new bikes should be coming in over the next six weeks, but if you're still losing sleep... So we might have to make bikes out of anything that we can find. So there's a bike my dad made out of a bed end. Complete with a bedpan, just in case. Sonia Diol, Global News. 
as long as you're wearing a helmet, I guess it's all good. That's Raise true. your hands if you've done more cycling or purchased a bike during COVID. Just me, hey? Esquire? Well, I'm not going to ride a bike until the banana seat comes back. Ah, uh, okay. I was thinking <laughs> you have of standards. Those little, those little seats always kill me. I don't want to tell you where, but you they always big, kill cushy. me. You need something big and cushy. Like I that. need big and cushy. Harley. That's right. Okay. What do you got coming up? I got the Canucks, who will try to do exactly the same thing tonight as they did yesterday in their win over Minnesota. And one of the things they did a lot of yesterday was block shots. They're almost their life on the line and, uh, you know, fires up everybody. Yes, it's the most dangerous job in hockey, taking one for the team. And I think Vancouver did it 22 times yesterday. Ouch. Also tonight, we've got a surprise in store coming up on Satellite Debris. my honest opinion. Really? The fashionably disheveled Squire Barn. It's more fashionably late. Fashionably late. Which then causes fashionably disheveled. <laughs> Truthfully. I'm just glad you're here. I am too. Uh, that Game 3 win by the Canucks yesterday wasn't just a three-point day from Quinn Hughes. It wasn't just Elias Pettersson's first playoff goal. It wasn't just Jacob Markstrom's first playoff shutout. It was also Travis Green's block party. Because he got his guys to jump in front of almost as many shots as Markstrom stopped. It's kind of like Vancouver had six goalies at once sometimes. Blocking shots, good sticks. It is true in the playoffs, no pain, no gain. And the Canucks' willingness to pay the price in Game 3 played a key role in shutting down the wild offense. The Canucks had 22 shot blocks in all. Tyler Mott led the way with seven. Chris Tanev had five. And that bravery didn't go unnoticed. They put their uh, almost their life on the line and, uh, you know, fires up everybody. And uh, it's uh, transcending to our lineup. For sure, every, every time there was a block shot, everybody's banging their sticks and, and yelling. And, you know, uh, that, that gives energy and adrenaline. It's not only, you know, big hits and uh, uh, goals that our uh, guys are cheering for. It's, uh, you know, block shots as well. So a big, big team win. A lot of those blocks have come on the penalty kill. After allowing the Wild to score twice on the men advantage in game one, the Canucks are a perfect 13 for 13 in the last two games, both wins. And another key to holding down a Wild team that is all of a sudden having trouble scoring. Got to give our team a lot of credit for buying in to, you know, to, be, to playing the way you need to play in the playoffs to win. Uh, if you're not willing to defend and you're not willing to be strong around your net, uh, you're probably not going to win many games, and we've done that so far. Well, Connor McDavid and the Oilers have to win this one against Chicago. But Matthew Highmore, a deflection off a Duncan Keith shot, made it 2-1 Chicago after one. Ryan Nugent Hopkins would tie it 2-2. Then in the third period... Chicago's great rookie Dominic Kubalik scores 3-2. With eight and a half minutes gone in the third. 
and Chicago has knocked the Oilers out. There's a nightmare in Edmonton that one day Connor McDavid's going to walk in someone's office and say, trade me, this isn't getting any better. Usually when I tell you the 12s are having a good day, I mean the Seattle Seahawks fan. Edmonton lost to a 12th seed, and so did Pittsburgh, although Surrey's Chris, Tristan Jerry made a great save right there off Brendan Gallagher. But with four minutes to go, Arturi Lekanen scores, and Montreal would get an empty netter. So the 12th seed in the East is a winner as well. Pittsburgh is out, and Montreal continues. And if the uh, season hadn't stopped because of COVID-19, Montreal and Chicago would not have made the playoffs. Coyotes and Predators, game four, Arizona, a chance to move on, but in the final minute, it's tied by Philip Forsberg with 32 seconds left, but in overtime, former Canuck Brad Richardson puts in the winner, so the Coyotes pull an upset against Nashville. Islanders and Panthers, Matthew Barzell looking to win this series with his team. And here's a good way to do it. Score one yourself, and it's a beauty. Nice shot. The Burnaby boy helps the Islanders win this, and they win this series three games to one. So the Western Hub City team is out. What about the Eastern Hub City team? Leafs and Jackets. The Leafs blew the lead last night and lost in overtime, and they're down in this game 2-0 after two periods, Cam Atkinson with that goal there. In the last 15 majors, Brooks Kepka has four wins and nine top five finishes. The guy loves the big events. And he starts this day pretty well as well. But he's still on the course right now. Let me see if I can find his score. Uh, last time I checked, he was minus five. Not too far off. Yes, tied for third, now minus six. As for Tiger... He is still trying to make the cut. He's on the 17th hole. And I do believe he is even. But there's your leader, Hao Tong Lee. Not really that well known, but he is right now because he has a one-shot lead in this event after two rounds. Okay. Eight under? I can't find Tiger's score. Yes, eight under. But actually, Adam Hadwin made the cut. Oh, that's good. At minus one. Yes, yes. Okay. Like, like it when the BC guys do well. Okay, thanks, Squire. Uh, Tiger Woods is even. Okay. I knew I'd Tiger find Woods it. Even. Okay. Thank you. Andrew, and now the preview of Global News at 11 tonight, Ann. Thanks, Chris. Breaking news. There are two new COVID-19 cases at facilities operated by George Derby Care Society in Burnaby. One is a resident at George Derby Centre. The other, a staff member at the Derby Manor. And a warning about a possible exposure at Vancouver's Pump Jack Pub on Davy Street. Anyone who visited the bar late on July 31st is asked to self-monitor. And how's this for a Canucks viewing party? We'll speak with a Vancouver man who has found, as you can see, a unique way to watch hockey during the pandemic. That looks pretty good to me. Those stories and more coming up tonight at 11 o'clock. Chris. Good neighborhood if you can find it. Awesome. Thanks very much, Ann. And when we come back, it's Squire and Satellite Debris. All right, we're ready to go with Satellite Debris, which we will remind you is not always about humor and laughter, but sometimes about studying human behavior. Yes, well, this first one definitely studies human behavior. Uh, it is a Carlsberg beer commercial. It's actually from a couple of years ago, but it just came across my desk recently. So let's enjoy together, shall we?
why you got to be brave. Sometimes it pays to sit in the two last seats. Okay, um, this commercial is for Optus, which I think is down in Australia. I don't know. I could be corrected, but I like it. Check it out. Regular or chicken salt? Both. I saw dancing like that was at a Barnes family wedding. They all dance pretty much that sort of stiff, I don't know what the music really is kind of dance. Okay, uh, last um, a commercial for soap with a singing dog. I'm sure there was lots of mud. I shook off so much mud. It was here, now it's gone, every bit, every drop, every inch, where I saw my mud go. Flash! Ah! It works miracles! Flash! Ah! Cleans up the impossible! Dogs that sound like Freddie Mercury. Absolutely. Thanks very much for watching, everyone. Have a great weekend.